Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, I trust that's your prayer this morning. Here I am, Lord. Take me as an offering. That's what he desires from us. Amen. I'm thankful this morning that um, the Lord knows what we need before we ever make our way into his presence, aren't you? And uh, he is here today. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, we'll be looking at a uh, passage of scripture there this morning. Uh, the last few weeks we've been in uh, our sermon series leading up to Easter entitled, entitled um, Jesus Encounters. And we've been talking about just different encounters with Christ that he had with people um, throughout his ministry. And, uh, and the, way that, um, the, the way that he interacted with people in such a way that once they were in the presence of Jesus, they were never the same again. Uh, they either made a choice to follow Jesus, they either made a choice to accept his teaching and, and draw closer to him, or they made the choice in his presence to, to walk away. And unfortunately, we have the same choices today as we have encounters with Christ uh, throughout our journey as well. We make the choice every single time that we're in his presence, whether we're going to open our heart and obey and do what he is speaking into our life, or whether we're going to make the choice to turn and go the other way. And today in Mark chapter 10, we're going to be looking at another example of that. If you were here last week, you know that we talked about an encounter Jesus had with the expert of the law. And the question that the expert uh, asked Jesus was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And you remember, if you were here, you know that, that the answer was, uh, love the Lord your God. Uh, he said, you know what to do? And he said, yes. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Simply this, love God. And, and love other people, right? That was what we uh, learned last week, and that was the answer. Uh, with, the, with the love that only Jesus can give. It's the, it's the love that Christ pours into our life, and we pour out into the lives of others through the power of his Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful that Christ can still pour that love into us today. If you're glad for that, say amen. I'm glad for that this morning, and that's what um, he told the, the man. And then Jesus ended that that interaction, that encounter with these words, go and do likewise. And we talked about the literal translation, go and keep on doing likewise. Go and keep on loving God and keep on loving other people around you. And the story kind of ended there. We don't know whether the expert in the law actually went and did or, or didn't do what Jesus had commanded. But we talked about this, that any time the story doesn't have an ending, it's up to us to live out the truth that Jesus speaks into our life. So I trust you've been living that out this week, that you've been loving God and that you've been loving other people with the love of Christ. But there's another person in Scripture a little later in Jesus' ministry that comes to Jesus and asks the very same question. This was a popular question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And we see that there is often a desire to know what is it that I have to do in order to live in relationship, in order to be a part of the kingdom of God right now and eternally to experience this relationship with Jesus Christ. And this time it's by someone different. It's by what we would refer to as the rich young ruler. So let's look at this encounter together, and then we're going to kind of break down what happens here. Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 17. I'm going to read the entire uh, passage here, and then we're going to come back and look at it. So keep your Bibles open. Mark 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. 
Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. There's a few things this morning that I want you to see that this man knew, that this man knew as he comes to Jesus. First of all, he knew Jesus was worthy to be followed. If you believe this morning that Jesus is worthy to be followed, say amen. He knew that Jesus was worthy to be followed. Look at verse 17. He, as Jesus started on his way, a man runs up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? There are a few things that we can learn about this man simply by the way he approaches Jesus. Notice that he runs up to Jesus. This man had a desire to be in the presence of Jesus. I'm glad this morning that the Holy Spirit can still give us the same desire today. Aren't you? Now, I don't know how many of you ran to get here this morning. Probably none of us, right? Ran to get here. But I trust, maybe not an outward running, but I, it's probably different for you maybe than it is for me, but inwardly, I can't wait to be in the presence of Jesus. And I trust that your spirit is constantly running to be in his presence, right? Running to be with him, running to spend time with him, desiring. That's what this guy, he knew there was something different about Jesus, and he wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. And it tells us that when he gets to Jesus, he falls at his feet. He humbles himself before Jesus. He falls on his knees, recognizing that Jesus had power and authority, that Jesus could work in his life. Now remember, we know that this is a man of great wealth. He would have had power. He would have had other people who, who would have come to him. Who, he would have had authority. They would have come to him. He would have told them what to do. He would have given them direction. They would have had to do what he asked them to do. And, and yet he recognized Jesus as one with authority. And this man is not, does not even hesitate to bow before Jesus and humble himself before him, honoring Jesus as one who could make a difference in his life. He humbles himself before him. I wonder this morning, how do you approach Jesus in your own life? Like, how do you approach Jesus? I talked about running to be in his presence, but do you humble yourself before God? Do you bow your knee? One of the things that I think is beautiful, now, I know that some of you are, are limited physically, so again, I think it's all about the, the inward, the, the part of the heart, right? That we bow our heart before Jesus. But for others of us who can, I think that's one of the beauties about the altars that we still have in our church today. I believe that it gives us a place where we can not only bow our heart before him, but that we can bend our knee before Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, here I am, take me as an offering to you. We just sang about it, but there's something beautiful about coming before him, humbling ourselves, and saying, Jesus, I acknowledge that I need you in my life. I need you at work in me. I need your help and your power to transform me. I need your Holy Spirit to fill my heart so that I can be what you would have me to be. And there's something special about outwardly humbling ourselves before Jesus and saying, I need you. And I'm not just talking about a one-time event either right? Don't we believe that we can come again and again and again into the presence of Jesus and acknowledge our need for him throughout our entire life? 
I didn't just need him 20 years ago. I need him more today than I've ever needed him. How about you? And humbling ourselves before him simply acknowledges, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, here you go. You're worthy to be followed. I want to follow where you lead me every single step of every single day. This rich young man, he knew Jesus worthy, was worthy to be followed. So he stopped everything. Think about that. Had a lot of obligations, a lot of things going on, no doubt. He stopped everything and made his way to catch up to Jesus because he wanted to know more. We can choose to bow our knee before him and seek answers this morning to the questions upon our heart. Here's what I know and believe today. There'd be a lot less questions upon our heart if we sought Jesus with all of our heart. It's true this morning. He wants to answer our questions. This man knew that Jesus was worthy to be followed, but he also knew how he should live. Look at in verse 19. Jesus says this. He looks back at the man. He says, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And here's the reply. Teacher, I have kept all these things since I was a boy. Remember the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you know the commandments, and Jesus goes on to list off six of the commandments here. Six is, is what he mentions, and all six deal with how our relationship should be toward other people. Jesus, uh, the man told Jesus that he had treated others fairly. He says, I've treated others fairly. I've been good in my dealings with others. In other words, we could say that he had loved others rightly. All right. He had loved others rightly. And he had a lot of things, but this is what we know based on what we learned here. He gained them fair and square. We talked about Matthew, the tax collector, a few weeks ago, and how he'd overcharged and done all kinds of things to people and how people hated him, right? This guy, he, was, he had a lot of possessions and a lot of wealth, but he had done it fair and square. He had treated people right. Now, you might remember last week that in response to this same question, what must I do to inherit eternal life, the struggle of the expert of the law seemed to be loving others the right way, right? That's why Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, because he had to learn some things about how he was to love others. Can I tell you that, that this guy, this rich young ruler, he was loving others. He was treating others fairly. He was doing the right thing, and, and he was treating others well by all indication. He was a living a life of honesty and integrity. Can I ask you this morning, don't you enjoy it when people around you live lives of, honestly, of honesty and integrity, if you do say amen? I mean, those are the kind of people that you want to be around. But knowing the commandments and even doing them, the good things that he knew to do was not enough. And nobody had to tell him. Catch this. Nobody had to tell the rich young ruler that even though he was treating others fairly and living a life of honesty and integrity, nobody had to tell him that there was still something missing. In fact, there was something missing to a point that he stops everything that he's doing and he runs after this teacher called Jesus. See, I don't have to tell you today if there's still something missing in your heart and your life this morning. Because I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit lets us know. Amen? The Holy Spirit helps us to see when there's still something missing. 
And here's another thing that this man knew. There was something missing, but he knew that Jesus had the answer. He knew that Jesus had the answer. Jesus looked at him, it tells us in verse 21, and loved him. And here's how Jesus answers him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. The phrase that always kind of stands out as I read this passage is these words, one thing you lack. One thing you lack. Jesus could see the good in this man and the good things that he was doing in his life. He was treating others right. He was running his business fairly. He had a good relationship with his parents and his family, so the Bible tells us. He had done well in loving others, but what about God? Remember last week, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. This guy was getting this part right. What about this part? What about really loving God? Was he loving God with all of his heart? It was almost as if Jesus, you know, I told you he mentioned six commandments. It was almost as if Jesus kind of thought back and reflected for just a moment to the first commandment. It's not mentioned here, but do you remember what the first commandment is? You shall have no other gods before me. He got these right. He got the relational things right. You shall have no other gods before me. In other words, I think Jesus was saying, here's what you lack. There are things in your life that are standing between you and God. There are things that you're prioritizing over your relationship with God. Like I see the good in you, a lot of this you're doing really, really, really well. But there are some things in life that you're putting above the love that you need to have in your heart for God. In other words, there's things that you love more than you love God. And so Jesus' response was simply this, go and, go and take care of that. Like, like go, and, go and get rid of the things that are standing between you and God. Now for this man, for this man, it was possessions, right? Possessions that he'd earned fair and square, I might add. Possessions that he didn't steal. Possessions, things that he had earned rightly. In other words, there were good things that were standing between him and God. Things that he had developed a love for over time more than he loved God. Can I just express a word of caution here? There are things in our life that can start out in the right place. There are good things that come to us that can start out in the right place and over time they can begin to drift until they have passed our love for God in our life. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Has anybody experienced that besides me? Because it happens and can happen to all of us. That's why surrender, complete surrender, is not a way back here thing in our lives, folks. I mean, we should have surrender back here. But it better be that we're taking inventory often and as the Holy Spirit reveals these things that can creep into the wrong place in our lives that we are surrendering them before God. Because slowly over time they can end up in the wrong place. I wonder this morning, 
What do you love? What do you love? What has become God in your life? What are you more passionate about today than anything else? What, what, is, what is it that is maybe mentioned in a conversation, and when that is mentioned, you light up, right? Because that's probably the area that can become dangerous for us. Three questions help us identify the highest priority of our lives. Very quickly, are you ready? Here they are. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? And what do people notice about you? What do people notice about you? What is it that when you're talking to other people comes up in conversation the very quick, quickest on a consistent basis? What do they notice? This will help us identify what might be that one thing in our lives. Possessions and things had become what this man was clinging to and trusting in. Think about this. Possessions and things had probably became where his identity was found. Where's your identity found this morning? If we're wealthy, it could be our money. If we're parents, it could be our children. Now, I'm not telling you to get rid of your kids today. But let me say this. Our kids have to be in the right place in our lives, folks. God has to be first. Can I remind you today that God loves your kids way, 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 way more than you ever could? That truth has gotten me through some pinches. How about you? Especially recently when I've had to do a lot of letting go with my adult children. God loves them more than I ever could. That doesn't mean I don't shed tears over them. But here's what it does mean. When it comes to our kids, we better keep them surrendered before God. When we dedicate our children, here, you, here we go, I'm, I'm headed this way and this isn't here. When we dedicate our children before God, what are we saying? We're saying, God, I trust you. I'm giving this child, you've blessed me with this child. I'm giving them back to you. We dedicate them back to God. We surrender them to God. And we say, Lord, I trust you. And I'm gonna do everything I can do. If you listen the next time we have the baby dedication ritual that we go through in the church, it's not a whole lot about the child. You know who it's about? It's about the parent. It's about us because we're saying, God, I commit to you that I am going to do these things. I'm going I'm to keep them before you. I'm going to teach them about you. I'm going to guide them to the church. I'm going to put people around them. going to be positive influences on their life. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Why? Because we surrender them to God. Our identity can't be found in our children. If we really love them, we have to keep them surrendered before him and do our very best to lead them in his way. If we're an employee, I'm moving on. If we're an employee, it could be our job, our position. Our job can creep in front of, and let me tell you, it happens so subtly. As a voice of experience, I have to tell you, like not only in a secular job that I had, but even in ministry. You know what, folks? I've gotta love God a whole lot more than anything else in my life. And that even includes like the things I do for him and the things you do for him because things that we do for God can take the place of God in our life. If you're tracking with me, say amen. Now don't go quitting your positions. 
But take inventory. Take inventory. And say, God, help me not to worship what I do for you. Help me to worship you. He has to be first. It could be if we're educated, it could be our education, right? And the wisdom that we gain, because what's the temptation? Like we should be educated, right? We should learn all we can learn, but we can't let the learning take the place of God himself and trusting him to be all that we need and to give us wisdom far beyond even the wisdom that we can gain by being educated. Are you following me? We have to be careful. It's whatever we enjoy that promises to fill our lives with pleasure and security. It's, it's where we put our trust. Our trust cannot be found in things and possessions and all of the things I've, has to be in God himself. One author said, for many, years God has not, for many years God may not shine his light on these competing things in our lives. He lets us wander along with two minds and competing hearts. But if we are really serious about following him, that's what we find in this story. This guy, is, he's decided, I want to be serious about following Jesus. When we get serious about following him, sooner or later the bright light of his love will point out the one thing that competes with his rightful place in the center of our hearts. You see, we don't have to wonder if there's something competing this morning because right now the Holy Spirit, the bright light of heaven is shining on it in our lives. Here's what Jesus says. In Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And specifically, he's talking about money here. But can I just tell you, there's other things that can compete for God's place in our lives besides money. And we can't serve them both. Scott Wilson, author, says, Pastor, Pastor and author, when any person, pursuit, or possession takes the rightful place of prominence in our lives, those things become a hindrance instead of a gift. In other words, God blesses us with a lot of things that start out as blessings and gifts from him. I mean, great things, right? I mean, it's the things I've mentioned today, inherently nothing wrong with those things. They're good things. We want them in our lives, right? But over time, if we're not careful, they can creep into a place in our lives that is above God. And whether we think about it like this or not, what begins to happen is we worship those things. We may not bow down to them in a physical sense, but go back. Where's our time being spent? Where's our money being spent? Where's our identity being found? It's likely there. And the reality is this, we can't hide it when it happens. When other things take the place of God in our lives, and I'm not going to expand here, but I want you to think about this. When other things take the place of God in our lives, here's what begins to happen. It begins to come out. You see, what should be bearing in our life is the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. And when we begin to put other things before God, that fruit not only doesn't develop, but it begins to shrink. And instead of living a life pleasing to God, instead of our feet being directed to the places and spending our time and our energy where it needs to be spent, let me tell you what happens. We begin wandering a lot of other places and doing a lot of other things. And it's noticeable to our families. And it's noticeable to those around us. But most of all, even if we're doing a great job of hiding it, it's noticeable to God. And you know and he knows 
if there are things in your life that have taken the place of him. We have to stop settling for substitutes. The same author, this book, um, where we've got the other quotes, one more quote, and I'll stop quoting you to death this morning. But hear this. Jesus tailored his message to each person, speaking to their hopes and dreams as well as their hurts and dreads. His words to Nicodemus were different than those he spoke to the woman at the well, and we see it this week versus last week. His words to the expert in the law are quite different than his words to the, to the rich young ruler, and it's the same question. Why? Because Jesus knows exactly what we need. It goes on. With every encounter with people, he invited them to turn from their substitutes and counterfeits to follow the real thing. You see, they were looking for, they were looking for fulfillment in their lives through things that were only substitutes to the real thing that they needed, which is God himself. And we have to stop settling for substitutes in our lives. Kyle Eidelman describes this scenario, and we can all relate. It's been a busy day, right, at work. You skip lunch, you grab a Diet Coke maybe or whatever. Some of you are giving up pop for Lent, so sorry to bring it up. But you grab some uh, drink that you enjoy, right? And you, and, you, and you drink that throughout the afternoon, but as you leave work that day, the sun's going down, right? And, and you're starving, and you're headed home. And you try to picture in your, in your mind what's in the refrigerator, what's in the pantry, what can I fix at home, and then you start noticing one fast food restaurant after another as you're driving, right? There they go, again and again and again. And each restaurant, you know, their menus, right? You start thinking about those things, and it would take away your hunger, and it would do it now. And before you've had time to really think through this decision, you've already pulled into the drive-thru, and you've ordered that combo meal with large fries and a large drink. You know you do it, right? And you scarf it down as you drive home the rest of the way with your knee, right? We do it. What just happened? It doesn't make sense. In no way does a mass-produced combo meal compare to the fresh homemade meal that you could have prepared yourself. But we, but we settle for a cheap substitute. You were hungry, so you go through the drive-thru because it was right there, because it was convenient, and you go for the quick fix. But think about it, because we've all done it. Now you're stuffed, but you certainly aren't satisfied and you're swallowing your last bite thinking, why did I just eat that? Right? We've all been there. We're hungry, so we tend to settle for things that don't truly satisfy. And that's not just when it comes to our stomachs, but it's also true for our souls. We end up worshiping what really doesn't satisfy. And we get sucked in, and before you know it, we have things in our life that have taken the place of God. Cheap substitutes that have taken the place of God, and we're unfulfilled, and to be honest, we're miserable. When we settle for anything less than God's best in our lives, it will leave us disappointed. Augustine prayed this prayer. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. And this morning, can I just tell you, a lot of our hearts are restless because we're settling for cheap substitutes. It was true for this rich young man. 
And it's true for a lot of us today. His restlessness, though, led this man to Jesus on this day. And the last thing I want you to see this morning that he knew is that he knew he had to make a decision. He knew he had to make a decision. Here it is. At this, the man's face fell. He heard what Jesus told him. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. He had a decision to make. Jesus had laid it right out there before him, and this man had a decision that he has to make. And he makes his initial decision. His face fell, his heart sank, and he went away sad. I just have to remind you that in a few moments, we're going we're to go away from this place. But how we leave this morning is up to us. What is Jesus asking of you? What is that one thing in your life that you struggle with? What is that one thing that tends to creep its way into precedence over your relationship with God and truly loving him the way that he asks us to love him? I don't know what it is for you, but I do know today that we can't allow one thing to hold us back from a complete and total relationship, loving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is gently calling you this morning to lay it down. I'm so thankful today that Jesus comes to us with compassion and mercy and grace. Jesus is never gonna walk into your life and, and, and rip out of your hand whatever that is. Notice how he approaches this guy as we close. Notice how he approaches this guy. Verse 21, Jesus looked at him. In other words, he acknowledges the man, and did you catch it? He loved him. He looked at him and he loved him. Oh, we're back to this love thing again, aren't we? Jesus Christ loves you this morning. And he loves you so much that, that he's right here in this place and he's calling out to you and, and he, through his Holy Spirit, he's opening your heart, shining light into your life and he's saying, here's the one thing. Here's the thing that you have allowed to creep in before me. Would you lay it down? Would you give it to me? For Valentine's Day this year, I got my wife what she wanted the most, a new doorbell. Like, no kidding, when your wife tells you this is what I want for Valentine's Day, you don't ask questions, right? You go and get what she wants. It may sound absurd to you, but, but I don't try to second guess it. Now, it's not your average doorbell. It's a ring video doorbell. Have you seen these? Ring. So what you could say is I got Michelle a ring for Valentine's Day. You like that? Now, this is pretty special. It, it, it takes a picture, so when somebody comes up there and rings the doorbell, the video, it alerts your phone. It alerts your phone no matter where you are. You can see who's at your door, okay? You can see who's there. And uh, see, this is our picture. If you come to, the, you, if you're, just put yourself right there. If you come to our door, you ring the doorbell, this is what we'd see, right? We can see you, but the other, not, not, the other neat thing that it does is it doesn't wait for you to ring the doorbell. If there is motion within 30 feet of that doorbell, guess what? It alerts your phone. You get an alert that looks like this. See, motion front door today. Now, this isn't today, obviously. It gives you the time. Tells you, it alerts you that somebody is there. There's motion at the door. Can I just tell you today that the Holy Spirit functions the same way? That right now in this place, the Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts. The Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. There's motion at the door of your heart this morning. 
And see, just like with this new contraption, we've got, I have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. We can open the door of our heart to Christ. We can allow him to do a fresh work in our life. We can, with his help, lay down that one thing that has taken his place, and we can say, Lord, I surrender to you today. I want my love relationship with you, God, to be all that it needs to be. Can I just tell you, you may, have, you may be loving others. I mean, just, in a, what about this? Are you loving God with all your heart? Is he first? Does the fruit of your life show it? Pastor Nathan's gonna come this morning. I'd like for you to stand with me. Bow your heads. No matter what it is this morning, I want you to know that Jesus is better. That a relationship with Jesus Christ always supersedes whatever the enemy tries to offer as a cheap substitute. And this morning I want to invite you to come and seek him. Father, we love you. We open our hearts to you this morning. We pray that you would help us, Lord Jesus, to put you first today. That we would listen to the voice of your Holy Spirit and obey. We love you today.